Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you will, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. <clears throat> and um, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit tonight. How's that sound? That sound good? Man, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God. Title of my my message is Help in a Time of Need. Help in a Time of Need. Are we in a time of need right now? Y'all think that we're in a time of need? Yeah, I think we're in a time of need. I think our world is in a time of need. And um, we need some assistance. We need some help. And I'm just going to lay a little bit of foundation here and then um, see where we're able to camp on. But in John chapter 14, and these are verses you've seen, you might notice that on Wednesdays, you know, it's a little more like a Bible study, teaching, I try to stay in that vein, and so we bring to our remembrance a lot of things, amen? Uh, There are, there's, there's, two ways that I can receive the word. I can receive the word as something brand new that I've never heard before that needs to be planted and needs to take root within me. Or I can receive something that I'm being reminded of that needs to be watered or that I need to be, that I need to hear again. So I'm either forming a new belief within you tonight or I'm strengthening a belief that was already formed. Those are the only two things that can happen in this place right now. I'm either forming a new belief, you're either hearing something for the first time, brand new revelation, or we're going to strengthen something that's already been formed within you. That's called a reminder. God's reminders are just as powerful as his initial revelation. Amen? And so I want to be receptive. I don't want to get closed-minded and go to a verse or a passage, oh, I've heard that before, and immediately I shut off the power of the verse that has the potential in my life. I want to be as just as receptive as the first time I ever heard it. So we're going to probably bring some reminders, but that's okay. John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus is introducing the Holy Spirit to his disciples. Again, this is right before he's about to leave the earth. This is about right before he's about to be lifted up before man and be crucified before man on a cross for all to see. And you know, when, when you're in those final conversations, you, you talk about some pretty important stuff, right? We're not going to just catch the breeze and, oh, hey, by the way, did you hear this? I mean, we're going to bring up some important details. And one of those is he's introducing them to the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, I will pray the Father, Jesus speaking, and he will give you another helper. Everyone say helper. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's pretty close. That's pretty close proximity. He's got the same chapter, John 14. You Skip on down to verse 25. Same chapter, John 14, verse 25. But the helper, everyone say helper, and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So two passages now where we're seeing Jesus allude to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, as a helper. 
John chapter 15. Go over one chapter. John chapter 15, and in verse 26, Jesus says, Whom I shall, when the helper, everyone say helper. When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And in verse 16, John chapter 16, and in verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's funny that Jesus would even have to put that statement in there. He was truth, right? I am the way, the truth. And, but he's just helping you understand what I'm saying. It, it can, you can be founded on. It, it's, this is the truth. And he says, uh, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that helper, everyone say helper. The helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. A consistent theme in each of these passages, each of these references, where Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit and that he's saying, I'm leaving with you a helper, tells me I need some assistance, right? If, if I tell you, Kyle, if I come to you and say, hey, man, I've got a job for you, and I four times refer to someone coming alongside you to help you, when you go to the job, what are you going to expect? to have a helper, you're also going to expect the job to be more than what you can handle by yourself. Am I right? Anybody felt like what's going on in the world is a little bit beyond your ability, right? A little bit beyond your control, a little bit beyond your power. The, the actual implication that he's giving is it's going to feel beyond you. It's going to feel bigger than you. You're going to feel like, I can't handle this. You're going to feel like, this is too much for me. And immediately, when Jesus ascended to heaven, that's exactly what the disciples and the apostles felt. An overwhelmingness. I mean, they asked him right before he ascended, when are you coming back? Right? Didn't we just look at that on Sunday? Because I don't want to be left down here too long. I, I need to know. You can, I need to know this is just a little hour lunch break. You're just getting a break from this planet. Hey, I wish we all could ascend to heaven and get a little break and come back, right? I, I, I just need to know that you're, gonna, you're coming right back. In fact, Jesus even said, behold, I'm coming quickly. Well, apparently quickly to him is a lot different than quickly to us, right? But he said this, I will pray to the Father, and he will send you a helper. He's going to send us assistance, guys. This is probably one of the greatest things that for us as believers, we need to tap into. But yet the Holy Spirit's been put on the back shelf. I don't even know if he's on the back shelf anymore. I don't even know if he has a shelf anymore. I, uh, you know, we, we have eliminated him from our conversations, from our desires, from our drives and our passions, even from our preaching and our sermons. We've eliminated the Holy Spirit. We know a lot about God. We know even more about Jesus, and both of them are where? In heaven. Jesus says, when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit here, and he's the one that we know the least about. 
But yet Jesus said, he's the one you're supposed to be relying on. This is your helper. This is your assistance. When it feels too big, when it feels like it's out of control, when it feels like it's spiraling in a, just a big chaotic mess of disorder, when it, when it feels like you don't have any idea how to get a handle on this stuff, that's when you need the Holy. If we don't have a mess, we don't need the Holy Spirit. If we don't have all the chaos that we have going on, if life is easy and flowing and comfortable, then we don't need the Holy Spirit. I was listening to a message by an individual yesterday, and he made this statement. Isn't it amazing that you have the privilege, out of all of history, all of, all of time, from the beginning to the end, you have the great privilege to live in the midst of the chaos we're living in right now. Now, I know most of us wouldn't call it a privilege. We'd call it a problem. We'd use other P words other than privilege. But it's all about how you frame it. Because for one, this is a problem. For others, it's a privilege. It's a privilege when you recognize that you are the very answer to the mess going on around you. So I can either contribute to the problem or I can be a part of the solution. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to make sure you and I would be a part of the solution, that we would not contribute to the problem. So we recognize this is a privilege. We recognize, man, this chaos is the very reason why I exist. I've probably, I feel like I've said that almost every single service since we've been back in this building, but I, I can't. I, if Jesus can say four times in three chapters, helper, 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 then apparently we need some reminding. Notice he didn't just, you know, shade over this thing or just blow right through this. He was trying to hammer it in their brain. You need a helper. You need a helper. You need a helper. I'm leaving. He's coming. I'm leaving. I'll send him. You need some assistance. You need a helper. It's going to feel bigger. It's going to be beyond you. This is going to be too much. You need assistance. If somebody tells me I need assistance, I can expect two things. One, to have an assistant, and two, for the job to be too big for me. Okay? Those are the two implications when that is mentioned. This is what we have to understand. Look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. This is what we have to understand. Guys, if, if we don't value the necessity of the Holy Spirit, then we'll never value the work of the Holy Spirit. The reason why we don't value the Holy Spirit the way we do is because we've spent so much time trying to do it without him. And you know what? God created us as some powerful beings, some awesome creative beings that we can find a way to convince ourselves we don't need the Holy Spirit or find a way to make it look so good and flashy that we can call it the Holy Spirit when it really isn't. I think I heard someone say one time in the book of Acts, it was about 20% man and 80% Holy Spirit. And church today is about 80% man and 20%. Maybe those statistics are a little even outdated today. I heard another person say that the Holy Spirit could not show up to most churches and they could still operate. <laughs> we got to see a necessity before we ever value his actual work. So I want to try to help us see that we have a help in time of need. Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 13. I know it's sobering, but hey, this is what we need. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Watch this. And John tried to prevent him, saying, 
I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Not for you to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is saying, even for me to fulfill, the one that has never sinned, I still have a level of righteousness I need to obtain to. What is that? I need to respond to the Father and be submitted to the Father. Jesus was a man submitted to the Father. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man, right? He was God in the flesh. The Word was in the beginning, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then the Word came to the earth, became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, right? John chapter 1, verse 1, 2, 3, verse 14, we've seen these, we know these. But even being God, even being 100% God, he still had some things that he had to do to fulfill righteousness. What's that mean? To be all that God had called him to be. So if Jesus had some things he had to do, how much more you and I? If Jesus had to follow some certain things, he didn't look at John and say, you know what? I am. You're right. I need to, let's flip this thing around. I'll baptize you. I I forgot who I was. I'm 100, I don't need to be baptized. No, he said, we're going to follow through with the plan of God. I'm here as man. I'm God in the flesh, but I'm here as a man. And this is what needs to happen. So watch what happens. Uh, It says, John the Baptist, that then he allowed him in verse 16. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and alighting upon him. He saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, coming upon Jesus like a dove. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. We've seen this, right? He's not a bird. It says it descended upon him like a dove. So you could take attributes of a dove, the, 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 the lightness and the gentleness and the sacredness of a dove. I heard someone explain it recently that, you know, if you're walking around and you have a dove on you, doves are very gentle and, and, and they're, they're very, so, you know, any, any quick movement or anything jarring will cause it to go away. So he, he made the same. He said, if you're walking around with a dove on you, every step you take is in thought of how is the dove responding. Do we walk around our lives wondering, how's the Holy Spirit going to be around that? How, how's the Holy Spirit responding to what I'm looking at right now? What I'm listening to right now? What I'm entertaining right now? Who I'm hanging around with? Do we live with that type of thought of, I've got the Holy Spirit with me? Not that he's fragile and, and you know, he's just going to take off at a moment's notice, but you live with the reverence and, and, and an awe. The Spirit of God is with me. So I don't want to just carelessly 
go through life now. I want to go through life giving attention of who's with me. The Spirit of God is upon me. Okay? So the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. Again, if Jesus had to receive the Holy Spirit, how much more you and I? How much more you and I? If Jesus, and I will remind you that prior to this time, Jesus has not performed a miracle. Jesus hasn't ministered a sermon. Up until this time, all we know about Jesus is that he was born unlike anybody else in this room. (laughs) Far worse conditions than any of us. We know that he was lost when he was 12 years old by his parents. That's great. We just lost the son of, we just lost God. (laughs) Where's God? I don't know. He's somewhere around this town. That's great. Put out a missing persons report on God. We know that he was found teaching the the religious leaders in the temple. Up until this point, we don't have a whole lot of content on Jesus' life, but we do know this, that the Holy Spirit came upon his life to empower him, to assist him him. God, Jesus did not perform miracles as God. I'm going to bust some bubbles because we have this, Jesus, yes, is 100% God, but he put on flesh. The Bible says that he made himself of no rep- reputation, and he lowered himself down to the standard of man. Sinless, yes, but still living within the limitations of man. So Jesus did not perform miracles as God. Jesus performed miracles as a man empowered by the Spirit of God. That's the difference. So now we look at John, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John a little bit differently. Because man, I mean, Jesus, what did he do? He walked on water. He healed Jesus. you know, leprosy, he, he was, uh, you know, people could touch his clothes and they would be made whole. He was casting out demons, telling storms to stop, I mean, raising the dead. Amazing stuff, amazing miracles, a miraculous, a life of power, am I right? A life of absolute power. Nothing exhibited control or authority over Jesus. He walked in the God-given authority that man was given way back in the garden in Genesis chapter 1. He was restoring that kingdom. He was restoring that rule. And he was showing us what that looks like. But Jesus was operating as a man. So before he could go out and exhibit that authority and that power, he had to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, In Acts chapter 1, this is what Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Again, uh, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples right before he's about to ascend. And he says in verse 8, But you will receive power and ability. Everyone say power. And ability. But you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How does he know? Because that's what happened when the Holy Spirit came 
upon him. He received power and ability. Now, Jesus came with the authority from the Father. The authority, meaning he was authorized to carry out the kingdom. He was authorized to carry out the kingdom. He came in authority. Authority has to be given. Authority cannot be taken, right? You can't go into a place and say, all right, I'm in charge. Don't work that way. Authority has to be given. And authority has to be given to you by someone in authority, right? Kyle, do you own the company that you work at? <laughs> You're going to take authority or get authority, receive authority? Okay, we're not going to go that far. You don't own. So I can't go to Kyle and say, Kyle, put me in charge because you don't have authority to put me in charge. And I don't have the authority to walk up in your company and start ruling things and dictating things. You have a boss, right? You have a CEO. You have a, it just keeps on going. Who's the owner? Who's the owner? Scott. So Scott has the authority. Now, Scott being in authority can come to you and say, I want to promote you to a position of authority, right? You receive that? (laughs) He receives that. I don't know if that was prophetic. I wouldn't, I wouldn't jump all over that. I didn't say, thus saith the Lord. Authority can only be given by someone in authority. So God grants authority to Jesus. But authority is useless without power. Okay, we got to see the connection. You can walk all over this earth and say, I've been authorized, I've been authorized, I've been authorized. I was born again. I've been authorized. I'm in the kingdom of God. I've been authorized. We saw last week what happens when you're born again. You're seated with him in heavenly places. That's a position of authority. But authority without power, useless. So that would be like a police officer with a badge. Now listen, when a police officer is is, is stopping traffic, it's not their power that stops the traffic. It's the authority. The, that, that, that police officer does not have the power to stop a 2,000-pound vehicle, right? They don't have the physical strength, but they do have the authority. That badge has all the authority they need. But when they need power, when they need a weapon, now you need some power. Now, authority without power is useless. Power without authority is illegal. Power without authority is illegal. So I need two things. I need the authority. Jesus was authorized by the Father, but now he needed the power, and the power came upon him when the Holy Spirit came upon him. Because he says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. You're authorized when you're born again, but you receive power when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told his disciples, go and wait. Go and wait. Now, if you look at Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, we'll see an instance where Jesus was trying to show his disciples, his followers, those that were closest to him, what this operating in the kingdom looks like and what this assistance of the Holy Spirit 
looks like. And in Luke chapter 9 and verse 1, reading out of the New Living, it says, One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples, and he gave them, what's it say? Power and authority. Power and authority. I need both. He gave them power and authority to what? Cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Those are the miracles. Those are the signs. Those are the, those are the things that can operate in our life when we're operating in the power and the authority. There is no power in hell that can stand against the power of God. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no demon. There's no, no oppression. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against every principality and power and wicked things in in the high places, right? There are spiritual forces. There's spiritual forces at play happening in the world right now, in our country right now. We don't go about that, handling that in natural ways. We're watching people exhaust themselves trying to handle a spiritual problem with a natural solution. It doesn't work. They are wore out, they're tired, they're burnt up. So we need the church of the living God to operate operate with some authority and with some power. We need the spiritual assistance. He then sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So we see here that he's granting to his disciples this authority and this power um, just, as came, just as what came upon his life. Look at Luke chapter 4. Look at Luke chapter 4. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? A help in time of need. Our need is not for you know love over hate and faith over fear and and our need is not for you know this virus to be gone uh, our need is for the power of the holy spirit that's the need the help in the time of need is the holy spirit he answers every need he i said he answers every need luke chapter 4 verse 1 then jesus full of the holy spirit full of the Holy, not just Jesus, which would have been good enough because he's God in the flesh, but Jesus was setting an example for us. Jesus was showing us that on this earth and on this planet, we need the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And this is where he is... uh, tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, and we know of that account. But bump on down to verse 16, Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, reading again in the New Living. Jesus enters uh, the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home. So when he goes home, guess who they're going to see? Remember, he's gone, he's been baptized now by uh, uh, his cousin, John the Baptist, Now, from there, he was driven into the wilderness. And now he's going back to his home. But he still looks like Jesus, the man, the carpenter, the carpenter's son, 
He built my furniture. He put my bed together, right? He built me a dining room table. You should come see it. He did a great job. I went to school with him. I know his brothers. I know his sisters. I know his mom. I know his dad. This is just Jesus. Bunch of familiarity. They don't see Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. So he gets up in the synagogue, this Jesus of Nazareth, and he went as usual. Everything here is just falling in line with what they already expected of him. To the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me. What? to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. He has sent me to proclaim that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is Jesus reading out of the book of Isaiah, but then he goes on to say, and today this has been fulfilled in your ears. This is, this is taking place. Basically what he's saying is, I'm the one Isaiah was writing about. I'm the one that has the spirit of the Lord. The, notice the spirit of the Lord is upon him to do these miracles, to do these signs. So again, Jesus did not do or perform miracles as God. He performed, see, if I read the Bible as Jesus performed miracles as God, guess what I immediately do? I eliminate myself from the equation. Well, Jesus could do it because he was God. Jesus could do those miracles because he was God. But I'm just mere man. Made in the image of God, made in the likeness of God, sure. Been redeemed, sure. Old things gone, new things come. But I still eliminate myself from the process and remove myself from the power on my life. But now when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with the knowing that Jesus performed miracles as a man, empowered by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, now all of a sudden what do I do? I step into the Bible and realize if it could happen for him, it could happen for me. Now all of a sudden I realize if he needed the Holy Spirit's assistance, I need the Holy Spirit's assistance. If he could do those things with the Holy Spirit's assistance, I can do these things with the Holy Spirit's assistance. Amen. A help in time of need. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and with power. Then Jesus, when Jesus, then Jesus, when he received the power of the Holy Spirit, when he received the whole, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Don't you know Jesus or don't you know God anointed Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus of who? Of Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Just regular old Nazareth. Just, you know, that, that's Mary's son and Joseph's son and Joseph's brother. And, and he's got, oh, we know his sisters. And, and that's just the carpenter. Oh, but Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. A man empowered by the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus went around doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God 
was with him. Notice this. Jesus didn't live in reaction to the devil. He lived in response to his father. That's a huge difference. Jesus didn't go around trying to undo all the devil's stuff. He went around trying to do all of God's stuff. You got to get this. I'm not going around looking for problems. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to my Father. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this situation? How do you want me to minister to this person? And then I, in turn, respond to the Father, and in doing so, I end up destroying the works of the devil. Isn't that what the Bible says? That Jesus came and he destroyed the works of the devil. But Jesus wasn't going around, let me find a work of the devil. Let me find, what's he doing today? Who's he oppressing today? He went to his Father on a mountaintop all by himself. And came down off of that mountain and healed all kinds of diseases, all kinds of sicknesses. Nothing stood in the way of Jesus. But he wasn't reacting to Satan. This is not the time for the church to rise up because everything's looking so crazy. This is the time for the church to rise up because we are in tune to the Father and saying, Father, how do you want me to minister to these people? How do you want me to minister to this hurt? How do you want me to minister to this pain? All the race issues, all the injustice issues, all the, all the scared issues, all the fear issues, all the government issues, all, all the virus issues, all the mess we're seeing right now. Father, how, how, how do you want me to minister to this? That's what Jesus did. He didn't live in reaction to the devil. Oh, the devil did something. Let me just go fix it. He responded to the Father. There's a big difference. So if Jesus needed assistance, From the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? Why is this so important? Because in John chapter 14 and verse 12, in John chapter 14 and verse 12, John chapter 14 and verse 12, I tell you the truth again. The truth is speaking truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. And even greater works. Jesus didn't come to show us what he could do. He came to show you what you could do. Get this. Jesus didn't come to show us how awesome and powerful he is. He came to show you how awesome and powerful a man empowered by the Spirit of God is. The authority and the power we can operate in. We can't do greater works until we do same works. <laughs> I, I, I just want to do same. God, just get me on the same level. And God said, no, you're going to do greater. No, not greater in quality. Not greater in what's greater than raising the dead. <laughs> no, it's greater in quantity. 
where Jesus was one man empowered by the Spirit of God. Now we have a bunch of the body of Christ empowered by the Spirit of God. Yeah, absolutely. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And verse 12. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. Are y'all getting something tonight? It's quiet because you're writing, right? It's quiet because we're like, oh my gosh. I can do the works that Jesus did. We know in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come and the disciples were in one accord in prayer, that the Holy Spirit came like a, as a, as a, they heard the sound as a rushing mighty wind and tongues of fire came and sat upon each of them, and they began to speak with other tongues. That was the Holy Spirit coming upon the early church. It's the Holy Spirit coming upon the early church. And you can go in Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 19, and watch how this occurrence repeated itself. They were born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Born again and baptized. Jesus said, John the Baptist baptized with water, but I promise you there's a day coming when you will be baptized with fire. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And what happens? The power comes upon you. And all of a sudden, a Peter that couldn't hold his tongue and was jumping out of boats and cutting off people's ears is given the day, given the message on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people come to Christ. Timid people were made bold. Sinful people were made righteous. Because the Holy Spirit came upon them. And Acts chapter 5 verse 12 tells us, And through the hands of the apostles, through the hands. What did we say on Sunday? That the Holy Spirit doesn't come to do something for you. He wants to come and do something with you, through you using us in us participating alongside the Holy Spirit. That's what assistance is. If I ask you to come and assist me with moving a large piece of furniture and then I go take a seat, assistance doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's coming and doing it for us. The Holy Spirit's coming and doing it with us. That's assistance. That means I'm still involved. I still have a part to play in this thing. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. None of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by, might fall on some of them. No social distancing there. Get as close as possible. Come on, have you, have you told anybody that with the virus? You want to get close to me because what's on me will get on you. Jesus was going near to people that were supposed to remain far away. 
I'm not concerned with catching your leprosy, but you should be concerned with catching the power of God on my life and getting your leprosy healed. Now, that's the Bible, and I just read to you that Jesus said, and greater works will you do. I'm not telling you to go out into the publics and, and hold up a sign, if you have COVID, come find me. But I am telling you, you don't need to live in fear of the thing and recognize you have power over the thing by the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. They just laid them out in the streets and just hope that Peter would just even get in a geographical proximity, just get close enough to me. I believe that if I touch the hem of Jesus' garment, but now I believe that if you just get your shadow on me, a shadow is a reflection of what is. So you can't reflect what you don't already have. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people, and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Doesn't that sound like Acts 10, 38, and Jesus went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed? Doesn't that sound a lot like what we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about Jesus? Is that not John 14, 12? Oh, but, you know, healing, that's been done away with. Why? Did God all of a sudden become a respecter of persons? Did God all of a sudden give something to one generation or one nation that's not available to everybody else? Not what my Bible says. Does my Bible say that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? If he healed then, he'll heal today, he'll heal tomorrow? Absolutely. God hasn't changed his plan. God hasn't changed his character. God hasn't changed his integrity. We're the ones that have changed. We've dumbed down our level and our idea of who God is to man-made, well, I guess he must not be healing anymore. I guess he must not be casting out demons anymore. I guess now he must not be in the healing business. Oh, the Holy Spirit, that was for special people. Show me. Show me. I heard someone put it this way one time. They said, if, if, if a man lived on an island didn't have any contact with anybody, lived in solid, solitary isolation on an island, and a Bible came floating up from the ocean and laying on the island, and he read it, he would have to assume that everything they did in this book he could still do today. We're the ones that have bought the idea, we can't do this anymore. God's not moving this way anymore. God has shifted. God has changed. Where? When? How? No, you and I are still to walk in the authority and the power. But it's catching up to us. What a lot of our churches have been preaching from 2000 to now, 2020, it's catching up. An incorrect grace message, a seeker-sensitive movement that wants to be more open and welcoming. I heard someone say one time, The, the church is a hospital for sick people. When do you go to the hospital? When you're what? And that's why they're only showing up to church when they're sick. Church is not a hospital for sick people. It's a training ground for believers that can go out into the highways and the byways where the sick people are where the sick people who don't even know they're sick. We've heard that a lot, haven't we? Well, you don't know if you have it. Let me tell you what you don't know you have. 
Let me help bring revelation because the light brings because the light brings out what has been hidden in darkness. But when the light, because I'm the light of the world and I, I am called to be a light to the world, the church is to call, called to be a light to the world. Well, guess what light does? It illuminates and it reveals what has remained hidden. And now I can show up and say, this is the condition you're in, but, where's, but there's hope and there's redemption and there's restoration and there's power. We have an answer for this. You see how this works? We're not a hospital for sick people. Because only sick people go to hospitals. And as soon as you get a little bit better, you don't stay in the hospital, do you? You're trying to get out of that thing as fast as you can. So they come in here and they get a little bit better and they hear a little bit of scripture. They feel a little bit better about themselves. The enemy's not bugging them anymore, right? And they get back out in the world. And they, they abandon. They don't, they don't stay consistent with. They don't remain in. The Holy Spirit will allow you to think you're doing just good enough that you don't have to rely on God and his plan. Right? He'll scream at your face and say, do this, do this, do this. And then the moment you do it, he's the first one in your face saying, you're a failure, you're a screw up, you're guilty, you're shameful, you're condemned. He's a liar. We're called to bring hope. We're called to train up. Will we have lost people come in here? Absolutely. Absolutely. But when we create this to be an environment that's more conducive for those far away from God than those who are coming to be closer to God, we've got the system backwards. And now we're reaping in 2020 what we've been sowing for the last 20 years. What we abandoned and what we neglected. And I think it's time. I think it's time. The church is figuring out, you know what, that didn't work. I told our leadership in a meeting, our, 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 our staff meeting just a couple weeks ago, I believe the Holy Spirit's making a comeback. I believe he's making a comeback. I believe he's about to have the greatest outpouring that we've ever seen because we recognized we didn't do very well without him. Last verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Acts chapter 2. I might have to re-preach this on Sunday. Goodness. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. I know a lot of times when we talk about last days, end times, it's always with fear and doom and gloom and oh me, oh my. Jesus didn't inform us of the end times to scare us. He informed us to prepare us. But it's really a time of hope, and it's a time of God doing the greatest thing he's ever done on this planet right at the, the culmination, right at the, the edge. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, we're in those days, says God, that I will pour out my what? Not my, not my power or my presence or my glory or, or, or my, my, my revelation. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters 
shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I will pour out my spirit. This is what we need. A help in time of need. You don't need healing. You need the Holy Spirit. You don't need faith. You need the Holy Our greatest need is for the Holy Spirit. And he answers. He meets those needs. You are man, yes. You are woman, yes. You are flesh, yes. You are limited, yes. That's why we need assistance. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.